Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Valley Church of the Nazarene. We are located at 228 Madison Avenue in Monte Vista, Colorado. I am Pastor Chris Yoakum, and I am so glad you have tuned in to listen to this message. I would also love to invite you to join us on Sunday morning for our small group discipleship classes starting at 9 a.m. for all ages, and our worship service starting at 10.15 a.m. We have many other activities and Bible studies throughout the week. Please visit our website at valleynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. Our prayer is that you encounter the God of the Bible and come to know the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ, that you be equipped to engage the world for Christ. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you. Daniel chapter 11, and we are going to read verses 36 through 39. I invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. We believe in the inerrancy and fallibility of God's Word, that it is inspired, that it is authoritative. We do believe that we have the responsibility to be good students of the Word, and we ask for God's help. Daniel chapter 11, starting with verse 36. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is complete, for what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his fathers. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. Father, we're thankful for your word. Even as we look at this very challenging passage, would you give us wisdom and direction? Would you help us to understand? And Lord, I even above the, uh, what, what we cannot know at this point, I pray you'd help us to uh, be assured of what we can know and strengthen us, prepare us, that we might be faithful, that we might honor and glorify you in this day. We ask your anointing, your hedge of protection, attend with both the preaching and hearing of your word, we ask, and we will be obedient to what you tell us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless, uh, you may be seated. I almost dismissed you. That would have been a hoot. Uh, not so fast, not so fast. All right. All right. So we are in a challenging portion of Scripture here. We've looked at um, the revealing that the Antichrist, the time of the Antichrist will be a time when he is revealed, but, but really it's more than that is going to be the time when the true church is revealed. It is an intense fire that is going to purify the church and uh, remove the dross in preparation for the bridegroom to come and get his bride. And that's the most important thing for us to understand. Um, Satan's, Satan's power and authority in his day is going to be short-lived, short-lived. But our day, our glorification, if we remain faithful to Jesus Christ, will be forever. What a great and blessed thing. Um, so we talked about that, we talked about the, the, the revealing uh, we talked about the exaltation and the fact that the Antichrist was going to exalt himself. So we see that the Antichrist will have worldwide absolute power, which is a terrifying thing. The Antichrist will demand worldwide absolute worship. 
The Antichrist will perform wonders. He will speak, be able to speak wonders. The Antichrist will have complete success for a time. The Antichrist will disregard the gods of his fathers. The Antichrist will disregard the desire of women. We're not sure exactly what that means. The Antichrist will disregard all gods, and the Antichrist will exalt himself over all gods. And so as we look at this, we think about how, how terrible that, that is when power and authority is given to that which is evil, and when evil triumphs, and we know that the Bible oftentimes admonishes us to, to be ready for the day of evil, right? And the day of evil is just when evil is having its day, when, it is, when evil is allowed to succeed. And we know the only reason that, that that will ever happen is because God withdraws His, His hand, His restraint. That's the only way the evil can triumph and to any extent is because at times God removes that restraint Folks, the only reason why any of us aren't evil and wicked is because of God's intervention and His restraint. Not only has He come to redeem us, and then now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to no longer live in self-centeredness and wickedness. If God were to remove His hand from any life, God doesn't have to put fresh evil there. It's there. God is the restrainer of evil. So it's a terrifying thing when we think about the fact that uh, God removes His restraining hand um, from any person, from any nation, but if you think about it on a, on a global scale, that's a terrifying thing. We have seen in, in, uh, historically when, that, when times like that have happened, and it is a very grievous thing and a, a terrifying thing. And so, we think about, I've entitled this message, Fortification, the Fortification Fortification is uh, a defensive wall or other reinforcement built to strengthen a place against attack. You know, fortification is a, is a big deal in our day. I don't know if some of you have uh, watched the uh, doomsday preppers. There's, there's a bunch of these out there, a bunch of these things, man. It's, it's amazing what people, the extent that they're going to, to fortify themselves, right? It's an amazing thing. Um, I put a few things in here. You know, you think about guns, and, and I, li- I really like my guns, just being honest. You know, I like, I like my guns. I got to spend my birthday, and thank you for all the well wishes for my birthday, but I got to spend my, my birthday getting my concealed carry uh, permit and getting to shoot, shoot my gun, and that's a good day when I get to, get to shoot. That's a fun thing, and I, I really like, I really like uh, my, my guns, and they're a, a means of fortification, right? We, we like to, to have that. That is a means of fortification uh, against attack. Um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of threat. I've noticed lately, especially in this election, there's a lot of threat going on, a lot of threats going on and a lot of uncertainties going on. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of threats uh, toward... Um, People that, you know, perhaps are, are a lot like us. It's kind of a terrifying thing, a lot of, a lot of a kind of a threatening time, kind of an uncertain time. And, you know, I think that it, it does cause us, when there's times of uncertainty, to really think about fortification. I think, you know, we, we have that right in our, this nation to, to bear arms, and that's a, that's a great thing. 
I always think it's funny whenever we have times of uncertainty, how all the gold commercials, right? Gold becomes a big thing because it's a, it's a fortification against, against uh, you know, for your wealth and all of these things. That's sometimes a good thing to do to sort of bolster your, your position financially, to have a hedge, a reinforcement. You know, a good fortification is, is, is not much good if you don't have food also, right? If, you don't, if your fortification really doesn't have enough uh, supplies, it really becomes your coffin, doesn't it? You see a lot of people, I mean, the food, I, I know that uh, Heather and I were looking for a freezer the other day, you know, and you can't hardly find them, Right? Because they're not really manufacturing enough anymore, and the demand has skyrocketed because people are wanting to store up food, right? It's a way of, of fortifying yourself against it, something that might happen, some uncertain thing. And I think being, being, being prepared in that way, having food and extra, extra food and water, all of these things, that's a, that's a good fortification, a good, good way to, uh, to do that, to take into account. Shelter as well, you know? Making sure you have adequate shelter. I know that we've got a, a guy that's been coming, and he, he does a lot of survival stuff, and, and he, he recommends that people should have some kind of a solar charger so you could charge your cell phone if you had to, if you were lose power for a long time. That's good. He also recommends having a, a uh, if you don't have some kind of wood heat or something like that, having a, a negative 40 sleeping bag here in the valley. If we were to lose power for a long time and no heat, that would keep you alive. These are all good. These are all reinforcements. They are fortifications. And as times become more uncertain, people start looking in this, in the, to these things. As there's, as there's a greater threat, we as human beings, we feel the, 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 the force of that as, as, as we, we see the powers that be perhaps going in a negative direction. It, it causes us to think about fortification. And we need to be wise about that. We need to get counsel on that if we don't understand. We need to be prepared. We've got a responsibility to, to protect our families. We need to be thinking about what's, what's coming. The Antichrist is going to be thinking about fortification. That's what we're going to find out right here. The Antichrist is going to be all about fortification. So, this is a very interesting thing that we see here with the Antichrist. Now, the amazing thing is, you know, the problem with being a human being who wants to be a god is that you're not a god, and it doesn't take very much for people to find out you're not much of a god because you're really a human being. Um, Antiochus Epiphanes found this out. He died a very tragic death, and it was very clear at the end he wasn't much of a god manifest. I mean, he died a really horrible death, and that happens very often. We've seen oftentimes, you know, you think about even in our nation, I mean, you think about our, our leaders, I mean, the White House is a, is a major fortification, right? Right? Because we understand as, as powerful as our leaders might be, you know, there's a threat there. Antioch's Epiphanies, I think I talked about this at one point, um, he had taken over um, a certain individual in the area of Tyre, that it, he had a, a tremendous fortification. There was a cave that he built out. Antiochus took that, took that over. Antiochus was, was very much about fortification because he realized the, the vulnerability. Because even though he wanted to be God manifest, he was very vulnerable. And we've seen oftentimes the way that 
Um, you'll see very powerful people, perhaps there's drug lords or something like that, and they will have tunnels and have all this fortification. Because that's the problem is, is we as human beings, we, we, we sense the vulnerability. And even those who have, like the Antichrist here, ap- this absolute power and absolute authority and demanding absolute worship, yet I think there's a realization of the vulnerability that we have as human beings. Now, in contrast to that, you did have a human being who was God. His name was Jesus. And you'll notice he really didn't have fortifications. (laughs) He didn't. It was amazing. You'd see the way that that he would go around, and he would make people so mad they wanted to kill him, right? And it would be something like this. Well, it wasn't time yet, so he'd walk right through him, right? It wasn't time yet, and so nothing happened. He didn't need to go and, and, and climb into a hole somewhere or anything like that. He didn't need to do that because he was, he was completely God, and uh, he didn't need fortifications. And the only reason that they were able to kill him is because he went willingly, right? Now, think about that in contrast to the pretenders, right? We see all the pretenders who try to be something more than, than they are, and yet we see the one who was a human being and yet fully God. Look at the contrast. But the Antichrist is going to be all about fortification, it says here that in the place of, it says uh, in my translation, instead of, which is a good word, but it's, it's really two Hebrew words and the, the word place is in there. So it's like, it's not just that he's going to choose one over another, but in the place of any other, other God, right? Because this, this person is going to be so um, ego-centered and, and so full of Satan that he's going to exalt himself to this place and he's not going to look to any other God. So in the place of of uh, any other God. And remember, oftentimes, even leaders, they, they wanted to look to a particular God to protect them, right? They would make sacrifices and all of these various things to these deities who they felt would, would um, protect them and further their kingdom. But this individual is not going to look to any of these things. In the place of all of those things, he's going to look to fortification. So, in the place of any God, he is going to It says, he will honor a God of fortresses. So, the Antichrist will honor a God fortress. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, I I readily admit that I may be wrong in my interpretation because I haven't seen anybody else who's giving this interpretation, but I'm going to make my case this morning. I've already kind of made my case for this, but I think I'm right. I think I'm right. If I'm wrong, that's okay. A God fortress is a temple. That's, that's my, my contention. Look over in, at 1131. We've mentioned, I've mentioned this before, but look at the fact that the temple was termed, in verse 31, the temple or the holy place fortress, okay? The temple was, was actually called the temple fortress or the holy place fortress. So, the temple, we know, is called a fortress. And you will remember that people in Jerusalem would put their money in the temple because it was a fortress, because they believed that God protected the fortress, and they believed their money and things would be safe in there. Now, now you could build a… leaders would build themselves fortresses, but when you think about a God, because that's what the text says, it is a God fortress. I believe that is referring to a temple, a temple. And you'll remember, we don't have to turn here, but remember in 2 Thessalonians, 
2.4, Paul says that the Antichrist is going to set himself up in God's temple, okay? So, I believe there is good reason to believe that what we're talking about here is the Antichrist is going to the fortress that the Antichrist is going to, to, to set himself up in is going to be a, a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. That's my contention. Most scholars believe that it, instead it's some kind of a, Ro- a Roman deity. I, I really don't, didn't like, didn't like any of those explanations. I really think that given what the New Testament says, I think this is what we're talking about here, a God fortress or a temple. So the God fortress or temple will be, first of all, unknown to His fathers. It says a, a, a God unknown to His fathers. So I think that's what it's saying here is this temple will not be dedicated to the worship of Yahweh. The temple in Jerusalem, it, the whole point was to, that it was dedicated to the worship of Yahweh. That was the point of it. Oftentimes, this was a struggle for the Jewish people because they would often worship the temple greater than the God of the temple. And we've, we've read how oftentimes and they would even bring in a false deity to, to worship that deity in the temple. But the main point was to be, you know, Yahweh was the one to be worshipped. The temple was, was just simply dedicated to Him. And, and if, if Yahweh was not part of the temple, then it was a false thing. It was a false idol. So I think what's being communicated is that it's going to be a temple, that it's not dedicated to Yahweh, the worship of Yahweh. It's going to be dedicated to the worship of this individual. Now, it could be that in the beginning, if the temple were to be rebuilt, which it could be re- rebuilt at any time, it could be that it, it would be dedicated to, to Yahweh, but very quickly taken over by the Antichrist. It says that he will honor with gold, silver, precious stones, and costly gifts. In other words, he will adorn this temple, which most of the time, if it's just a fortress, you don't see words like this, adorning with gold, silver, precious stones, and costly gifts. Remember over in Revelation 17, I've read this before as well, Revelation 17, verses 4 and verse 18, we have this almost the same language. This is the uh, woman who is riding the beast, which we believe is a, 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 re, um, a, a rebuilt Roman Empire of some kind, and this woman is riding this beast. It says in verse 4, the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Um, so kind of the same sort of language. And then if you look at um, over in verse 18, it says, the woman you saw in the great city that rules over the king... The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. So if that is, and many scholars do believe, that is in reference to Jerusalem. Now remember that Jerusalem and the temple went hand in hand, okay? Jerusalem was the place of the temple. You have in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is a fortified city that, that it fortified a fortress, which is the temple. And so if you think about from that aspect, if that's what's being communicated, the Antichrist is going to, to um, have the temple that's not dedicated to, to Yahweh. He's going to honor it with all of these things. And then it goes on to say he's going to honor with precious stones and costly gifts. It says that in verse 39, he will attack the mightiest fortresses. Now, in... Let me, let me just go back to what, something I believe I've said before, but just to remind you, we don't know what this is saying, okay? 
And so when, when interpreters come to look at this, they have to take these words and they have to apply whatever meaning they believe. They ha- they'll have some kind of a construct and they will interpret these words because we don't know exactly what they mean. Um, attack in the NIV, and some of you may, and most of the translations I've seen is some kind of attack or remove against, something like that. The word attack is two Hebrew words. The first one means to do or to make. It's an action word, to do or to make, okay? Um, And the second is by means of. Now, I will tell you this, that nowhere are those words ever translated attack, or in any, in any way are they translated somehow against something. Um, I think what the, tra- the, the translators who, who, um, who interpret this word attack, it, it does say that he's going to um, act to, or to do something toward. But again, you have to interpret, is that going to be toward, is that in a negative sense or a positive sense? But the other way that it's used is by means of, by means of. So, to what could be communicated here is that the Antichrist is going to act by means of the fortified fortress. So, if you think about him setting up his base of operation in the temple, and he is adorning it, and he is, he is making it a fortified fortress, okay? He's going to be able to continue to rule because he is in this tremendous fortification. And again, remember that even if you are a a tremendously powerful dictator, if you don't have a good stronghold, you're going to quickly be defeated because there's always going to be people coming against you. So I I think that what's being communicated here is that this is going to be the Antichrist base of operation. With the help of is one Hebrew word. Uh, It means toward, with, or uh, to, toward, or with, or among. So I, I believe what's being communicated here is that the Antichrist is going to be able to accomplish so much that he's doing uh, by means of the, his fortification, the fact that he's, he's fortified so well, and he's going to have the help of... Now, we don't know who the foreign god is, okay? We don't know what's referred to as the foreign god, because the interesting thing is the Antichrist is not, he's not honoring any gods. That's what we just read. And so, who is this foreign god? Well, I will contend to you that it is really Satan some sort of satanic manifestation that is helping the Antichrist. Remember in Revelation 13, 5 through 6, we do get this idea. Revelation 13, 5 through 6 says, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander. The words blaspheme and slander there are almost the same word and both of them have to do with speaking false things. So he opened his mouth to speak false things about God uh, and to uh, speak false things about his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Um, so, and, and if you look at the previous verses, what you have is you have the dragon who empowers the beast, and then you have this other figure who, who is... Uh, causes everybody to worship the beast, but all of these are connected together. What I believe is being communicated here is that the Antichrist will use the temple to give a legitimacy to his evil actions, and he will be helped by Satan. He's given a, a mouth to be able to counterfeit the temple, and Satan gives great power and authority. Now, we know that God gives Satan the power 
God is, it allows Satan to have power for a period of time. Satan empowers this, this beast and the Antichrist. Okay? It says that he will greatly honor those who acknowledge. The word acknowledge there is very interesting. It's a very interesting Hebrew word. It's the same word that's used whenever, um, you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? When Jacob attempts to deceive his father by pretending that he is Esau, he puts, he puts that hair, he puts the hair of goats on his arms because uh, Esau was a hairy man and uh, Jacob was a smooth man. Um, oftentimes, this word is used of some kind of a disguise or a ruse. So it's an interesting word that is used here for acknowledge because there are other words that can be used for acknowledge, but this word oftentimes talks about some kind of a counterfeit. And so I think what it's saying here is that he's going to, he's going to, um, he's going to greatly honor all those who are willing to fall for the lie or acknowledge the lie. And I, I think that what's going to happen is those who are filled with the Spirit of God, we're going to know this is not genuine. This is not real, right? The temple, as good as it, it is and how wonderful people are going to think the temple is, we're going to know this is not right. This is not dedicated to Yahweh. This is something false. But I think that everyone else is going to fall for this ruse, and the Antichrist is going to greatly honor all of those who are willing to say yes to this lie. And he's going to honor those who, are, who fall for the lie. And it says the Antichrist will distribute the land for a price or a reward. And this is a further means of fortifying himself. Now, oftentimes, if a ruler came and, and conquered a nation, what he would do is he would take the land and he would give it to his generals and his ruling people. It was a way of, of continuing to fortify himself because if he had people on his side all surrounding, surrounding him, then, then he would it would strengthen his position because they would have to go through his people to get to him. And so that happened oftentimes. So I believe what's being communicated here is that the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple. It is going to be a false, false temple. Maybe, maybe in, the, in the beginning, the motive was to honor Yahweh. But remember, folks, the Jewish people... They are not worshiping the true and living God because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ. And so if this happens, and, and my, my contention is that the point of all of this is that God is going to get the Jewish people back to the place that they were when they rejected the Messiah to give them one more chance. So it's going to be a tremendous deception for so many, but all of those who are truly part of the elect and, and, and God gives the ability to see, they are going to see that this is not true. But the Antichrist is going to have tremendous power. He's going, to be fort- he's going to be very fortified. The Antichrist will fortify himself in order to attempt to extend his reign. However, the very prophetic word that allowed him to have his power, authority, and worship will also bring his end. I want to, look, I want you to show you, I want to show you this, because even if I'm, I'm wrong about this, this is so good. When I bring these texts, I want to bring something that is for sure, even though we can't know for sure all the details, we can know some of these things for sure. Daniel 11.45, listen to this. He will pitch his tent, his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain. That's talking about uh, Jerusalem there. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. That's sad, folks. 
As evil as this person is going to be, that's sad that that's, I mean, all this power and authority and worship that he's going to engender to himself, and yet, and the only reason that he's able to do that is because God is going to allow this to happen for God's purposes. But this individual who is really a puppet of Satan, this is what God says about him, he's going to come to his end and nobody will help him. Nobody will help him. Just kind of like Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was a zealot. Judas Iscariot, you think about how cunning and, and he was being a part of the inner circle of Jesus Christ, and yet the whole time he was a traitor. You think about how he, he thought he was going to have victory, but in the end, it all fell apart. Satan filled him and used him, and in the end, there was no one there to help Judas he died a horrible death. The Antichrist will be destroyed along with all who have taken refuge in Satan's lies. Let me, let me tell you this. You know, the Bible says a lot about the difficulty that God's people are going to go through in this life. The Bible says a lot about the hardship and trial that we're going to face, and it says a lot about how the Antichrist is going to be able to defeat us and, you know, it says in Revelation, you know, if we're going to captivity and the captivity will go, being, you know, if we're to be killed by the sword, by the sword we'll be killed, all of these things. But can I tell you this morning that of all that the Bible says that could happen to God's people, let me tell you what I don't want more than anything else is for that verse to be true of me. What I would hate is for when the end comes, nobody to be there to deliver me. No one to come to my rescue. Because if we are part of the elect and we are following God and are faithful to Him, no matter what we face, one thing we know for sure is that in the end, our deliverer is going to come. And God is going to help us. Now, it may, it may be in this life and it may be in the life to come, but one thing we can know for sure is our deliverer is coming if we remain faithful to Him. One of the most sad and tragic verses in the Bible, right there. For all the pomp, all the pride, all the power, in the end, he's going to come to his end and nobody's going to help him. What a sad thing. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. In contrast, verse 13 and 17, stand with me this morning. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know, and he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. In contrast, remember to the Antichrist, when Jesus Christ comes back, that's where they're going to spend eternity is in scorching heat and fire. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will lead them to springs of living water. 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Folks, I'd much rather have that than I'll meet my end and nobody will be there to help me. Folks, let me tell you, everybody whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that is the verse for them. In the end, you will meet your end and nobody will be there to help you. When you stand at the last moment, nobody's going to be there to help you. When you stand before the great white throne, before Jesus Christ, you will have no advocate. No one will help you. And you are going to be condemned and you are going to be separated forever. And you will spend eternity in the scorching heat. Folks, in these days of uncertainty, in these days of threat, we look to fortifications. But dare I say, all fortifications will fail except one, and that is Jesus Christ. That is our faith. We go forward, we trust God to help us in this life, but folks, let us never forget there's a very different end for those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and those whose names are not written there. And it doesn't matter what happens in this, this life, no matter how good you have it or, or difficult or the power that anybody receives, ultimately it's all going to be taken away and we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And the only fortification that you are going to want to have at that point is that you're in faith, that you are believing in Jesus Christ by faith. That He is your fortification. He is your refuge and your strength. That your name is written in His book. If you don't know that this morning, don't leave this place. Those listening online, do not, do not miss the opportunity. We don't know how much longer this life is going to go on, folks. We don't know what's going to happen in the coming months. May God give us wisdom and direction, but above all, May we know Jesus Christ and may we help other people come to know Jesus Christ because He is the only true refuge. He's the only rock. All other is sinking sand. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, as as terrifying as it is to think about an evil human being full of Satan with unrestrained power, Father, that's that's a horrible position to be in when you realize His end. Father, I pray that You'd help us be faithful. Father, I pray that You'd help us, that we would know that we are in the faith, that we would help our families, help our community. In these days of uncertainty and threat, Lord God, may we bring them into the shelter, bring them into the shelter. We have a great shelter. (laughs) We have a fortified shelter. We have a shelter that will not fail. Come into the shelter. May we go and tell people, Lord, there's people reaching out, searching for, Lord, how how can they find security? How can they find certainty? Father, may we help. May we help. May we help those around us who are trembling in in, in so, so much uncertainty and fear. And ultimately, may we lead them 
to the safe shelter of Jesus Christ and to His church. Bless us in these days. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us direction. Help us to know as a nation, Lord, help us to know how we can seek the welfare of this, this, this nation in which you've placed us. Help us. Help us know how to be good citizens. Deliver us from the evil and schemes, we pray. But above all, help us be a people of faith. Help us be filled with your Spirit. Dismiss us now with your peace, we pray. Go with us, we ask, into this new week. May we glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.